Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello, how are you? Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper with you once again, sports broadcaster in the UK. Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Do appreciate it. Thank you to the sponsors of the podcast, as ever, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Just received a message, actually, from Jason Briggs, the lead man down at Bangnolos and Cheltenham in the beautiful courtyard here in Cheltenham in the west of England in the district of Montpellier. He's messaged me because he's playing in his charity football game he organises every year again in Gloucester this coming weekend for good causes. I played in it last year, but currently rehabilitating from my ongoing knee injuries, the surgery last month. So I'm not going to be able to play, but I am going to go down and watch him. So I wish Jason Briggs and his team the best of luck. It's sweltering. I think it's going to be hot despite the weather being cold and rainy in England now. I think it's going to be hot again this weekend. So it seems like whatever weekend they choose for that football tournament, it's it's warm, which is not always conducive to fantastic football if you're all slightly out of shape and not playing in a while. But I'll be on the sideline looking, uh, well, not fantastic, but hopefully not as hot, sweaty and out of breath as I did last year. So thank you to Bang Nollison of Cheltenham for their ongoing support. Remember, through Serene AV, they can source you whatever equipment you're looking for, not just that pristine, prestigious, top-notch kit from Bang Nollison. Worth looking in the store if you live in Cheltenham, by the way. It is uh, cracking down there and some really wide range of audio equipment. But through Serene AV, they can source you whatever suits your vision, your budget around home entertainment systems, so on and such like, and can coordinate I suppose even kind of built minor buildings works. I think I'm not going to get too carried away in that line of thought, but worth checking out Bang Nollison of Cheltenham Online and Serene AV. Thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing support. Food-based supplement company that my father, Dr. Mark Draper, has worked as a consultant for for more than 20 years. We've taken supplements for more than 20 years and we pay for them, albeit at a discounted rate. They're food-based supplements, so they're dis- the idea is digested as food would be. Find out more at cytoplan.co.uk. And if you're moved to purchase any of the supplements, you can get a discount associated with this podcast similar to the one that we have. It is uh, Draper10R. So go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And at checkout, the discount code is Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, my last name, the numerals one zero, and the capital letter Ah, also wanted to uh, flag up again if you'd like to check out a service that I'm offering in Cheltenham in the broader area through the vehicle of atticboxaudio.co.uk, which is conversations with real world people, everyday people about their life stories. This is to connect generations for posterity, to find out things about mum, dad, grandma, granddad that perhaps you don't know with uh, my experience of 20 plus years as a broadcaster in the UK and also the USA to an extent where I started my career in Ohio, but it's something that I've really enjoyed doing. It's a two-hour conversation, typically thereabouts. We can have a cup of tea in the middle, cup of coffee, whatever you're fancy, just break it up. But it's just getting those details, those childhood memories, those significant landmarks of life 
down on audio in quality audio with quality transcript book to accompany it that we can furnish and illustrate with photographs to match that loved one's life and it's something that we believe in that was born in lockdown with speaking about how we'd love to hear our grandparents their kind of thoughts on the on this situation particularly as they come through the second world war actually in london and, and their perspective on it in my case would have been fascinating to hear my, my granddad who was a fine man a painter and decorator at buckingham palace in london um, but yeah that's that was the idea and, and hopefully it's been fruitful for people who've, who've contacted us but check out atticboxaudio.co.uk a-t-t-i-c-b-o-x box audio a-u-d-i-o dot co dot uk via the draper media website as well Right, this is something I'm grateful for my employers at Sky Sports. Let me share with you. It's a conversation with former UFC fighter Dan Hardy, once challenged for a world title against George St. Pierre, a UFC legend, has been out of action for a medical condition for, I think, nearly a decade now, but actually is uh, very much in his prime at 39. As a 41-year-old, I can say that. I think he's nearly 40, actually. But nonetheless, he is a good man, fine analyst of, of UFC and mixed martial arts, but he's got him in a boxing match against another UFC fighter, Diego Sanchez, on the undercard of Ricky Hatton's boxing return in an exhibition match against uh, Marco Antonio Barrera, the legendary three-weight Mexican champion. So it's great to get time with Dan. We recorded this at work at Sky Sports, and thank you to them for, for sharing with me. Here he is, the predator, Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy, brilliant to speak to you for Sky Sports. How are you feeling, I guess, six weeks or so out from the, the boxing match? I'm feeling really good. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. It's nice to be seeing my cheekbones again after a couple of years of uh, not being in training camp as well. And what you make, You're making 185, is it? So that's kind of 15 pounds above your, your regular fighting weight. Does it feel, feel pretty comfortable? Yeah, it feels very comfortable. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm normally walking around about 10 pounds heavier than that anyway. About 195 is my natural walk around weight. Um, similar to when I was fighting at 170, to be honest, we just take out the hard diet and the weight cut at the end. But uh, I'm planning on walking on the scales without, you know, doing any weight cutting. So I want to be, uh, I want to be healthy at 185. Beautiful. And how does the, the conditioning vary for a boxing match than an MMA match? And obviously there's technique that's going to be very, very different. But in terms of the fitness, does it, does it vary with the, the, the length of the rounds, etc.? It does, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very different pace. You know, with mixed martial arts, as soon as the range closes down and you're clinched, you know, you've still got elbows and knees and wrestling to deal with, and then it hits the ground and it continues. So, you know, a five-minute round in mixed martial arts is, is a ferocious pace, even when there's, there's not very not very lot, lot happening. With two minutes in boxing, you know, and knowing Diego Sanchez as well, it's going to be a ferocious two minutes. So I'll be needing the minute rests in between, but um, it's just very different. You know, it's, it's far more, you know, far more explosive, much more faster paced. You know, the referee will be separating as if we clinch at all. So uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a ferocious 15 minutes for sure. What, what, what's your relationship with boxing going back? So I know you started MMA really young and then and did boxing training a bit, bit later. But what's your, your sort of relationship with the sport as a fan and as a participant? Well, I mean, coming from a Taekwondo background, which is predominantly kicking, when I started uh, training and competing in kickboxing and Muay Thai, I needed hands. So I, needed, mm. I started training with a lot of boxers. And I was fortunate that around the time, you know, there was the likes of Jawaid Kalik, um, you know, Carl Froch was around at the time. Um, and, I, you know, I used to get good training sessions alongside those guys at various gyms. Um, and there were a couple of good amateurs that I used to tra uh, travel around with as well. Ricardo Sams, who used to box alongside um, um Amir Khan on the England squad. Um, so he took me around to a few gyms and I've, I've had some, some really, really good boxing lessons over the years from some of the greats. 
Um, but now putting that into practice, you know, at, at this point in my career is a very different thing. Um, and Diego's not a boxer either, though. So, you know, it's going to be a different kind of challenge as well. He's trying to predict what he's going to come with is, uh, is half of the battle. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. You mentioned Carl Frock, because I wondered about that connection with, with the Nottingham background as well. You, you're kind of perfectly matched size-wise, aren't you? He fought at 168 in boxing, you at 170. What, what was that like going up against the Cobra? Well, I mean, to, to be honest, it was just, it, it was it was an amazing experience just any time he was around training, even just working alongside him on the bags, that the power that he would put through the bag rig, you know, I'd be there kicking and punching the bag as hard as I could. And Carl Frotch comes and starts landing these left hooks and the whole the whole room feels like it was shaking. Um, obviously, always a great boxer. And, you know, what he used to do in Nottingham for the crowd was, was amazing. Uh, great inspiration for me when I was coming through as a fighter. Yeah, it'd be good to see him in MMA as well. Actually, you could have persuaded him to come over. Maybe it would have been an interesting competitor. I think he'd be all right, you know. I think yeah, he'd yeah. be all right with it, yeah. He's a strong a strong guy. Uh, what about uh, Ricky Hatton then, fighting on the, the undercard of a uh, two-weight world champion, Hatton, British legend against the Mexican legend, Marco Antonio Barrera. What does that mean to you? It, it's that, that, for me, is one of the most special things about it, to be honest. You know, of all the boxers that I watched over the years, you know, Ricky Hatton stood out as, you know, one of my top few that I always used to, used to try and emulate I used to copy his body shots best I could and you know even just the you know watching his training sessions and his fights to get me motivated for training um so you know to be able to share a card with him to sit at a press conference with him and I've been to train at his gym as well you know in the last couple of weeks and it's just it's amazing I mean the pace that he sets is incredible and the the, the strength of mind that he's got and the, the motivation that he has to get in shape I mean you, you will have seen over the last couple of weeks the amount of weight that he's dropped he looks incredible. And, and he, he never really lost his, his speed, to be honest. His footwork's always been there. You know, even when he was a lot heavier watching him on the bag, he still moves very, very well. And of course, you know, Barrera, he never got out of shape. You know, he looked great at the press conference. And again, one of my favourite boxing matches ever, you know, Barrera against Nassim. You know, it was, mm. a, a, you know, a lesson in basics, which is what I really liked about that fight. Um, so to see them both together and knowing that they're good friends, but they're motivated to, to have a really hard battle. Um, it's going to be a privilege to share the card with them. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a brilliant night. I want to ask you about the weight stuff with, with Ricky as well, because obviously he was famous for blowing up. And on the UFC front, where you cut your teeth, I know the fellow Brit Paddy Pimblett's getting a few a few knocks at the moment. The baddie for his his weight inflation between fights. What do you make of that? The difference approaches, like you said, you're at one nine five, but there are fighters in boxing and MMA who blow up a lot bigger than that in terms of distance from their fight weight. What do you, how do you assess that and the, the long-term effects? Or is it a psychological thing that some people just need to walk away and, and kind of indulge for that period? You know, I think, I think there is a big part of it is, is like a, it's like a pressure release, you know, and, and obviously Ricky used to put himself through a lot, of, lot in his training camps, sacrifice a lot, diet hard, train hard. Paddy does exactly the same thing. I mean, you know, the shape that we saw him in ahead of UFC London, he looked incredible. And I know that his, his nutritionist works hard to get him in that kind of shape as well. So if, for Paddy, it's probably just he's, he's enjoying the moment. You know, he's a young kid and he's, he's in his early, early 20s. He's being invited to baseball games and basketball games. And I'm sure everywhere he goes, people are trying to feed him stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I think, to be honest, you know, in the next couple of years, I expect him to settle down a little bit. You know, I've seen the same thing with Molly McCann, you know, his, mm. his teammate. Uh, you know, she was the same in her first couple of fights with the UFC. She's really settled down. She's stayed in shape. I think Paddy will do the same, but he's, he's living the high life at the moment. I mean, there's nothing like being 2-0 in the UFC, let me tell you that. He is a superstar right now. 
Well, you know all about it. And I, I want to ask you about this because we often speak to, to MMA fighters and we speak to boxers at Sky Sports. And there's always this, the grass is greener on the other side, but you've been quite outspoken about this being an exhibition match for you that you're making a big payday relative to what you made in the UFC at the, the height of your exploits there. Is, is it getting better for, for MMA fighters? Because it seems to be blowing up, doesn't it? UFC London's coming up. It seems there's more people taking that path. Do you feel it's still, it's not remunerated enough? What's your take on it? I mean, the thing is, the, the UFC is such a powerful promotional machine that if you sign with the UFC, even if you didn't get paid to fight, you would probably make more money fighting there than anywhere else in mixed martial arts. I mean, boxing is just a very different animal. You know, you, mm. get, you get your pay from the fight. With mixed martial arts, you know, the UFC relies on you making your money elsewhere. And let me tell you what the UFC are paying Paddy and what he's making on a monthly basis don't even compare. You know, mm. the opportunities that have come his way since he's got the UFC platform have been incredible you know he's making lots and lots of money but not from the fights that's the crazy thing about it and what's even more disappointing in my eyes is that he's not making a great deal more than i was making what 15 years ago you know there's not we've not seen that incremental increase in in fighter pay which which we really need to be seeing especially with the likes of paddy you know if you look at the the numbers that he does the attention that he draws the money that he's actually making for the promotion it's only fair that some more of that starts to trickle down. And I think it will get there eventually. You know, fighters are getting smarter. Managers are getting smarter. People are getting more demanding and more aware of what their value is. You know, like Francis Ngannou, heavyweight mm. champ, knows what his value is. You know, he's getting 600,000 and uh, Tyson Fury's making 20, 30 million. You know, th there's a big difference and it, it does need to be rectified. But it, it, it's a slow and gradual process, but we are getting there. Yeah, I suppose it's just a cut of the pot, isn't it? I've heard people have said that even Bellator, I think, is it 43% of the total money in the in the franchise goes to the fighters, whereas was UFC around 19%? Would you just like to see that, that needle shift up a bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's even lower than that. The last time I checked, I think it was around 11 or 12% of the UFC's revenue, especially when they've got, you know, it's the big sponsors that come on board, you know, the, like the cryptocurrency sponsors and the, the alcohol businesses. It brings in millions and millions of dollars that just doesn't touch the pockets of, of the fighters. Um, that's really where the, the UFC make its, its huge money is the, is the, you know, the sponsorship aspect. And that's where the gap is between what the UFC make and what the fighters make. It should all be cut into the same pot, really, and shared out. But it's not quite there yet. Well, it's great that you keep talking about it. And I think banging that drum and people like Francis Ngannou as well, the pioneers like, like yourself and, and even people like Mark Weir, I think, is still talking about the, the finances side of it, which is, which is fantastic. They have got that option of the crossover fights. You're doing that now. Molly McCann has, has done that as well technically curious how that works for you from a taekwondo background because i've spoken to matt skelton in the, the past who was fantastically successful in boxing in his 30s after switching from muay thai and kickboxing but he said he'd always get flack from his boxing trainers about his stance and where his weight was he wasn't grounding his feet enough in boxing is that a big change are you able to train mma at the moment or do you have to focus solely on the boxing I've always been very good at switching disciplines. You know, I'll be training MMA on Monday morning with the team, uh, you know, just because I enjoy doing it. But the, the stance for boxing is very different. And for whatever reason, when I lace the boots up and put my gloves on, my, my brain changes into a different mode. So I go slightly longer stance, a little bit more side on. You know, my, st my style does change, but it, it's adaptable based on the rule set. You know, if I went to Muay Thai, my stance would be very short and my guard would be high. I would just adapt to whatever rules I'm fighting under. And I like the challenge, to be honest, of switching. You know, I've, I've fought kickboxing and MMA on the same night before. Um, that was a bit of a challenge. But, you know, <laughs> switching from one set of gloves to the next seems to help my brain. Yeah, at least you don't have to worry about wrestling this time, which is nice. But is it is it the left hook is your weapon, is it? I know from the UFC days that was something you used. 
that that's that's the one that got me my knockouts in the UFC. Yeah, it's been my most damaging punch. But I've been working a lot on my right hand, and obviously, you know, Diego being a southpaw, it does open up the the right mm. hand possibilities a lot more than the left hook. Um, so we'll see. I'd like to think I, I can use both hands, but the left hook might do the job in the end. Yeah, a bit like Dillian White. Is that that's the uh, the, the fabled sort of left hook in British boxing at the moment? What do you um what do you make of of Conor McGregor saying that he kind of almost plans to alternate? I think we caught up with him at Sky at the Monaco Grand Prix, <laughs> just as you as you can imagine that it, uh, Conor was out there. He says he can he's going to alternate. But it, when you look at that lightweight division in the UFC, is it possible that high level to to have boxing matches and then UFC fights? I think it's very difficult, especially given the fact that everybody wants to fight Conor McGregor, no matter where they are in the rankings. You know, th this is what gets him into the big marquee fights without going through the ranking process is because he's such a big draw. You know, he's such a huge name for people's records. But then, you know, you go from boxing to mixed martial arts and back and forth and you have to keep changing things. Energy systems change. You know, the process of preparing has to change. Plus, you know, you're taking some of your focus off the grappling. And if you've got the likes of, you know, Islam Makachev, who's fighting, you know, who's following in the footsteps mm. of Khabib and obviously Charles Oliveira, the champion. If you've got people like that that are spending 100 percent of their time working in mixed martial arts, it puts him at a real deficit. I mean, of course, he could do it if the opponents are right. Mm. But if he wants to be a champion in the UFC, that needs his entire focus. Yeah, I don't think Charles Oliveira is going to have a boxing match with him anytime soon. It's not, it's not how it's going to play out. Dan, tell us about, before you go, why we should tune in there, because it's Diego Sanchez. I know in the past, apparently, he's been upset by some of your analysis in terms of you calling him like a crowd pleaser and a, a bit of a berserker. What do you expect? Do you expect him to go berserk on you in, in this one? Oh, I, I think he's going to try and hurt me. Absolutely. I don't expect anything less from Diego. You know, even if, you know, even if we were sparring, it would be full contact and he would be trying to take my head off. You know, we've always kind of clashed a little bit. You know, I always felt like we were on a collision course because we were on the UFC roster around the same time. Um, I always seemed to rub him up the wrong way for whatever reasons. And I, I made a comment about the fact that he's kind of thrown his, his, you know, common sense and logic out of the window a few years ago to, you know, to, 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 to you know, to please the crowd. But um, he's, he's, a, he's a wild man. You know, you just don't know which version of him is going to show up. If he's calm and calculated, he's a very difficult puzzle to solve. If he comes out wild, then it's a case of me keeping my guard up and my chin down until the, you know, the storm has been weathered and then seeing what targets I can open up on him. But no, no matter what, it's going to be an absolute banger. And, you know, Ricky Hatton against Barrera in the main event. It, it, I mean, I, I can't wait to be sitting ringside for it. It's going to be an absolute honour to watch those two legends throw down. Yeah, and that great heavyweight fight, Huey Fury as well against Michael Hunter, I think, at the same venue on the, on the same night. Dan, been a pleasure. Best of luck with it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good talking to you. Great fighter, great talker. Interesting and really cool to get the, the insight of Dan Hardy there on, on those potential crossovers with boxing and mixed martial arts. It's almost a shame, actually, that video of that conversation up on YouTube, but we always sort of reference often at Sky with the internet algorithms working where they do. Conor McGregor was very relevant conversation there around Conor, but more than that, I think, in terms of the uh, versatility, the adaptability of fighters. And it's kind of a moral of, of life, isn't it? Do you focus on one thing, one discipline, one avenue of work or do you have those multiple streams there's multiple skill sets clearly dan's at a stage where he's experimenting and he's going to fight muay thai as well which is a big love of his but in this boxing exhibition which is getting well well paid for which is good and i think that that pay story is is one that's going to keep continued to unravel and to be talked about regarding the ufc 
how much of the pot goes to the fighters who are sacrificing potentially their health, putting everything on the line. And albeit Dan makes some good points about the context of the UFC, the profile of it, the attention upon it, enabling fighters to get well paid, well remunerated by sponsors, but perhaps they should for the fundamental what they're doing there, the fundamental job being a fighter, which is taxing in itself, very demanding in terms of exercise and rest and focus and determination. Perhaps that itself should be should be rewarded. But interesting conversation. Really appreciate it. Let me know what you think. Please rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It'd be fantastic. Any constructive criticism, well received, you can email me to hello at drapermedia.co.uk. Tell me what you like about the podcast, what you don't, whether we should have a video arm now, because this goes out on Spotify. I know Spotify have now the potential to publish the video conversations and those are pretty easy to do when they're recorded on zoom although i like doing the ones in person in quality audio i have to look about getting a camera or something to accompany those but really appreciate you listening to the podcast and uh, thank you to you thank you to the sponsors bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out bang Olufsen cheltenham online go into the store in the courtyard in montpellier if you're around this part of the world in the west of England and uh, wish them the best of luck with their football this weekend, or at least Jason Briggs, the, the lead man, his his football this weekend. Thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing support of the podcast. If you'd like to optimize your immunity, head to cytoplan.co.uk. Try their supplements, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. Remember, with the podcast, 30% off up front, 10% thereafter, with a discount code at checkout of Draper10R. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 10 and the capital letter R. And if you're perhaps interested in checking out Attic Box Audio, that would be cool. If you'd like to get a family member, maybe an older person in the family, you want to get their life story down, all the childhood memories, the intricacies of their family. And remember, you can connect going back hundreds of years because through grandparents, for example, they can remember their grandparents. So you can connect almost back to the 19th century, which is phenomenal, and get some really good insights, some life lessons, some memories, the significant landmarks in their life, the significant people in their life of, of yesteryear. But atticboxaudio.co.uk is that life story service where I sit down, have a conversation with people, primarily in person in Cheltenham in the west of England. But beyond that as well, it's, it's feasible, of course, through the technological revolution through Zoom. So if you go to atticboxaudio.co.uk, you can find out more about that, or you can look at drapermedia.co.uk. There's a click through there if it's, if it's easier for you. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Do appreciate it. Have a fantastic week.